Well, I guess WWE still has a lot of major issues, bugs, and glitches to work out when it comes to the Thunderdome uh, concept when it comes to virtual fan experience. The reason I bring that up is because in case you guys haven't heard or don't know, this past Monday night, what a lot of people feared could happen indeed happened. Basically, three to four individuals decided to abuse the free privilege that WWE was giving them along with other along with all the other fans there, they decided to abuse that privilege by not showing their face as if they were in the crowd at an actual live event. No. They decided to abuse the privilege by showing some images on the live stream that were beyond disturbing, that were abusive of the privilege they were given. And pretty much, if they try to sign up for any other future virtual fan experience down the line, they're not going to get in because word pretty much has gotten out about what they did. And what I'm talking about is this. You see, a lot of people felt that there are some pros and cons with this. The pros is WWE, at least from a safer uh, perspective, is trying to allow fans back into their events, even if it has to be virtual live streams. And that's cool. On top of that, they're allowing fans to be part of this for free. They're not charging anything. And that's cool too. But then again, people also weighed in the cons. And the cons apparently are exactly what happened on Monday night. Now, at SummerSlam this past Sunday, we pretty much got an idea of what a pro and a con could be. The pro is just fans being in attendance enjoying the event. The con is people using and abusing the privilege to flash signs or whatever on the screen that WWE has pretty much already came out and said, hey, that's taken care of, we're not going to deal with it anymore. An example of that is during SummerSlam, someone decided to use their opportunity, their five minutes of fame, if you will, to flash a fire hashtag Velveteen Dream sign, or hashtag fire Velveteen Dream sign, even though Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H, already came out and said, hey, we've taken care of that, it's done with, we're not dealing with it anymore. This person decided to basically say, uh-uh, I'm, I'm not going to just sit here and watch the event, no, 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 I'm going to do this. Hashtag, fire of Everton Dream. That's what they did, from what I understand. Now, like I said, some fans do have fun with this uh, virtual fan experience, and it's harmless fun. There's no doubt. I mean, there's been people putting images of the pets, there have been people putting images of Pikachu, Mario from the Super Mario series. You know, someone snuck in an MJF 2020 sign in there. Just harmless, no foul, no foul, no harm kind of, you know, moments. And that's fine. You know, if it's harmless fun, go for it. But on Monday night, though, three to four individuals decided that instead of probably just sitting there at the computer or on their phone and enjoying the privilege they were given to watch an event as if they were really there, they decided, you know what? Let's make a mockery of this. Let's troll WWE. Let's put in some images that are downright freaking disturbing and haunting at best. And what I mean by haunting is one person, if not two people, decided to take their opportunities, their five minutes of fame, and plaster on two separate screens images of Chris Benoit. An individual that WWE 
has pretty much distanced themselves from forever, pretty much for eternity. And that the only acknowledgement of Chris Benoit on WWE Network is, is, is basically him being portrayed by somebody else. That's how WWE gets around that. That basically Chris is not Chris, he's just somebody else playing Chris. But yet, one if not two individuals decided to plaster these images of Benoit on uh, the virtual fan experience during the 5 minutes, 15 minutes of fame. And why do I bring that up? Because one of them had an image of Benoit sitting down as if he, as if he himself was part of the audience watching the event. And that's why it comes into the haunting perspective because it's like, oh my god, what the hell? And then the other image of Benoit was obviously from the 2004, the 2004 uh, documentary that they released on home video. Now, the Benoit thing's one deal. WWE pretty much can deal with that. They're like, hey, that's not a problem. We'll deal with that. We'll make sure if we see another image of Benoit show up on SmackDown during the virtual fan experience, we'll get rid of it as quickly as possible. You know, that's one thing. That's probably not as bad as people would get make it out to be. But then, but then the icing on the cake of these, of these people who are mentally not all there really took center stage, especially during the final segment. Because during the main event and the final segment of the night, and, and this, this, believe it or not, I have never seen just Alex, formerly FKA, formerly Deluxe Man. I have never seen Alex, just Alex, Alex Hicks, if you will. I've never seen him be a loss for words. Because when he saw what was on Monday Night Raw during the final segment, he wasn't alone in being, he wasn't alone basically in being in a loss for words. Because, like I said, the Benoit thing, you know, that's bad, but it's not as bad as what was shown at the end. Because at the end, you had two videos show up on the virtual wall. You had somebody either decide to use the five minutes of fame to dress up in a KKK robe. Or some kind of feed or feed in some kind of video footage they had of it of somebody in a KKK robe into the live stream, which of course people are able to do. And then on top of that, the video next to it had what many people described as an execution by beheading. Yeah, an execution by beheading was right next to that KKK one. And again, I don't know if that was actual live footage or somebody you know, supplied the video feed into the live stream. I don't know. But all I know is that this is what a lot of folks, from Alex to JD from NY206 to Jason Solomon, Solomonster Sounds Off, and many others have worried about. Have worried about with WWE going this route. Yes, it's a great thing they want to do to try to incorporate the fan base, the WWE Universe, back into the product in some way. But there are risks that, are, that you take when doing that, and these are some of those risks. And... It's like that old saying of, 
one bad apple ruins the whole bunch? Well, let's just say these three to four bad apples spoiled the whole bunch and future bunches that were associated with them. Because, because this, this is something that even as a wrestling fan that doesn't watch wrestling as much as they used to, it really upsets me. Because it's one thing, I mean, look, it's one thing to be upset at the WWE in the way they present things. But if this is your way of trolling the WWE to get them to give you what you want, no. No, you don't do that. What you do instead is you abide by the rules. All they ask you in return for giving you... Well, I guess disparity ship teasing in Pony Life continues. Now, in case you guys don't know what I mean... This past weekend, two new mini-episodes came out. One was uh, Ponies of the Moment and One Click Wonder, which were basically connected to each other. And in these episodes, there were several scenes that had Spike and Rarity next to each other. And what I'm talking about being next to each other is there was a moment where they were next to each other on the t you know, sitting at the table, looking at their tablets, and then the next day, sitting right next to each other on the floor on seats, I should say, looking at their tablets as well. And between that, during the night-to-day transition, they fell asleep next to each other while sitting at the table. Now, don't let your minds go into the gutter when I say that, because that was, that basically what you're thinking did not happen. But getting to the point, the reason I bring this up is because in the recent Pony Life's Moments video uploaded by Hasbro last night, on the MLP official YouTube channel, basically, we see a moment with Spike and Rarity showing back up at Sugar Cube Corner, and the first thing Spike says is, we're back from our walk. Now, what gets me is, why would Spike say, we're back from our walk, when the last time Rarity would go on a stroll with somebody was that interpretation of Fancy Pants, and that was trying to tease a romanticness between the two, a romantic ship between the two, which did not uh, become reality. And which is why I came out here and said, look, you know, after what we saw in that episode, as parody shippers, we don't have nothing to worry about. So why would Spike, in this clip, in this upcoming episode, where basically, long story short, Fluttershy takes a potion and takes on the color scheme of Rainbow Dash to take, on, to take uh, Rainbow Dash's place, um, in a triathlon or something like that, and they'll version into the Equestria Games, if you will. Why would Spike uh, say that line? Did he just decide to go for a walk with Rarity as a friend? Maybe. Or, because we didn't see it, were the creative staffs throwing us an Easter egg, throwing us a tease that they realize and know about the Sparity ship, and that this is their way of kind of acknowledging it? It makes you wonder. Now, I know Pony Life has a lot more episodes to go, a lot more mini-episodes to go in the future, so hopefully we'll get some kind of answer or acknowledgement that there is something going on between the two that's very similar to uh, Friendship is Magic. I mean, word is going around, as I've mentioned before, that Rarity's supposed to have a crush on Spike, kind of reverse the roles. Spike still may have a crush on her. I mean, heck, the fandom.com site for Pony Life, basically in Spike's profile, describes Rarity as a love interest. 
Now, I understand there are some people that have come out and said that this version of Spike is not interested in rarity the same way he was in Friendship is Magic. Now, in my opinion, that's probably just somebody that doesn't like disparity ship. And if you don't, that's fine. More power to you. That's your opinion. But when you have moments like this spread out, where you have these two characters next to each other, even to the point that they fall asleep next to each other on the table uh, in the most recent Ponies of the Moment uh, mini-episode, and then you have this in a sneak peek moments uh, video where Spike says, hey, we're back from our walk. I, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what other explanation or evidence you need that they're probably teasing something, but we have yet to see exactly what that's going to be until maybe later on. But it's going to be really, really interesting to see what they come up with when it comes to the pony life side of the Sparity ship. I know a lot of fans are happy about these moments. They're glad to see something like this occur. But how are they going to explain, possibly, if the rumors are correct, of Rarity having a crush on Spike, and Spike maybe having a secret crush on Rarity and that connecting or whatever? We'll have to wait and see. But what's interesting about this, too, is the Sparity ship is still strong in other parts of MLP media. I mean, a couple of years ago, we came, uh, the book called The uh, Curious Case of Clarity, which was a rarity book, uh, focused on the Sparity ship. Well, it didn't focus on the Sparity ship, but kind of used it as to kind of enhance the story, mostly the climax of the story. And you have Rarity basically telling her apprentice in that story that Spike is her Spikey-Wikey and no one else's. So that's really interesting. That's a tall tale right there. Well, that's a telltale sign in my opinion. You also have uh, rumors going around that in the new Season 10 comics, Spike still sleeps as a rarity plush. And then you look at the sneak peek of the free comic book edition for Season 10 that came out. And you have Spike all worried about rarity because he, you know, he hears from Pinkie Pie or whoever that she might be in trouble. And Spike's first instinct is to go to her aid. So... Whether you like it or not, or whether fans like it or not, the disparity ship is still a major thing. It's still going strong. And if these moments, these little moments here and there in the recent episodes, are just the creative staff's way of acknowledging that, possibly leading into something down the line, maybe, then I don't, then, you know, then what else can you, what else can you say? What else, what other reasonings can you say that maybe it's not real or that's not the case and all that? When the evidence is right in front of you. I mean, it may not be big evidence. It may not be flirtatious evidence and all that. But what more evidence do you need not to confirm that there is something there? And at least the creative staff is acknowledging, you know, the shipping between the two. The, the connection the two have with each other. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But let me know what you guys think, though, down below. Comment if you like. What are your thoughts on all these pairings, these little ships... These teases happening in Pony Life, especially with the more recent uh, sneak peek of the upcoming episode. And what are your thoughts on Sparity being carried over into the other parts of MLP media, like the graphic and junior novels and even the Season 10 comic? Let me know what your thoughts down, are down below. Comment if you like. I'm out. I'm just abusing it by putting these kind of images out there. Let me know what your thoughts are down below. Comment if you like. I'd like to hear from what you guys have to say. And I'm out.